Hello, my name is Wang Yan, and I am a reporter with News China. With our weekly News China podcast, we aim to give insight into the trends and happenings in modern China through a historical lens. Today, we discuss a key to understand the Chinese culture, the geographical and cultural concept of Zhongyuan. If Wuhan was the place in China that received most attention in 2020, Henan Province has certainly captured its share of attention this year. During the Spring Festival in February, a Henan TV gala featuring Tang Dynasty art was held on social media for showing the most glorious parts of Asian Chinese culture. In July. It aroused a lot of sympathy when it was struck by a devastating flood, followed by dozens of new COVID-19 cases in August. A widely circulated social media post says that for thousands of years, Henan has endured half of all the disasters that ever happened in China, including floods, drought, and war. Henan in history is repeatedly referred to as the Zhongyuan or Central Plain. It is the thousands of years of its history as the Zhongyuan that has created and shaped the land as the symbol of the most glorious and the most painful memories of China. So where and what is the Zhongyuan? Geographically, Zhongyuan, in a broad sense, includes today's Shanxi and Shanxi provinces in China's northwest, central China's Henan, and the east coast Shandong province, all in the middle and lower reaches of the Yellow River. Zhongyuan, in a narrow sense, refers to the part of Henan today that's south of the Yellow River, mainly from Luoyang to Shangqiu, about three hundred fifty. West of Luoyang, Henan has four Asian capitals, including Luoyang, Kaifeng, Zhengzhou, and Anyang, more than any other Chinese province. Among the four, only Anyang is to the north of the Yellow River. We can see Central China's Henan is the Zhongyuan in both the narrow and broad sense, but it is important to note. That Zhongyuan is much more a cultural concept than a geographical location on a map. It played a central role in the history of Chinese civilization and in shaping the core of Chinese culture. Both the Yellow River and the Yangtze River are cradles of Chinese civilization. Agriculture developed first in those regions. For two thousand years before China's first dynasty, the Xia was founded in twenty seventy BCE. There were two different trajectories for the growth of civilizations in China, in the east and the south along the Yangtze River, where there were rich natural resources. The gap in social status and wealth was big. Sophisticated techniques were used to make handcrafts. Religious rituals were held often. Evidence of this can be found in the antiquities unearthed in recent years in Liangzhu. In Zhejiang Province, in southeast China, in the lower reaches of the Yangtze River, 
they reveal a civilization was taking shape or had even already emerged in the west and north, including the Zhongyuan area, where the natural endowment, particularly water resources, was not as rich as the east and south. There was little evidence of stratification within society in this period. Archaeological findings saw a lot of defensive facilities like walls and arrowheads. It shows that social order was often broken and established through conflict and conquering between communities in different settlements. During some period, they had to build even more walls to protect themselves and compete for limited natural resources. This trajectory of the journey towards civilization is represented by the Longshan culture dating back to about 4,600 to 4,000 years ago. Signs of cities and graves and pottery and jade artifacts have been found in Shandong, Shanxi, Henan, and Shanxi since 1928. It was named after Longshan Town in Shandong, where the first site was unearthed. In this civilization, social stratification continued to result from conflicts among settlements and tribes, not within a settlement or a tribe. It seems that this is a more efficient way of expanding to a larger area. In this highly competitive environment with poor natural endowment, the status of military leaders rose much faster than religious leaders in those conflicts. It set the stage for a more open, more pragmatic society. In addition, the central plane means there were no barriers to prevent civilizations from communicating with other groups. These facilitated the growth of the civilization and enabled it to expand its influence. Probably these are some of the main reasons why the Longshan culture in Zhongyuan, in a broad sense, were the only civilization that kept developing in the prehistory period, while other civilizations declined or even disappeared after they peaked at about 2500 BCE. In a word, there were several different patterns of development of civilizations in different areas around China in the prehistory period but they were not isolated. They had contact and influenced one another. The Zhongyuan civilization finally prevailed. This trajectory of the birth and growth of the Chinese civilization is described by Chinese historians as diversity in unity. The establishment of the Xia dynasty in 2070 BCE marked the end of the prehistory period and the beginning of the history of the Chinese civilization. The Xia's main area may have been in part of today's Henan and Shanxi provinces. Important archaeological findings related to the Xia so far are nearly all in Henan. The Shang replaced the Xia in 1600 BCE. Anyang and Zhengzhou in today's Henan both served as the Shang capital in different periods. In the mid-11th century BCE, King Wu of the Zhou defeated the Shang, but King Wu couldn't sleep. His younger brother, Ji Dan, asked what he was worried about. 
The king told his brother that he felt the destiny of his dynasty was out of control and overwhelming. Although the Zhou won the war against the former ruler, the Shang, it had yet to seek the protection and blessing of heaven so it would endure. Chinese people at that time believed the legitimacy of a regime went to those that controlled the center of the world they knew. They thought the center of the sky was Beidou, the seven stars of the Ursa Major constellation known as the Big Dipper in the U.S. and the Plow in the U.K. They calculated that the center of the Earth was the same place that Beidou was projected on the Earth. King Wu thought a royal city had to be built in the center of the world to show the divine legitimacy of his dynasty. In addition, as the location identified as being the center of the world was in the area where the former dynasty the Shang had mainly controlled, installing a royal city there would strain the Zhou's rule and prevent rebellions by former Shang dignitaries. The Zhou capital at that time, Haojing, in today's Xi'an was in northwest China and far from the Shang area in Henan. The king selected the place about 300 kilometers to the southwest of Anyang, the former capital of the Shang. Construction of the city was organized by his brother Ji Dan as the regent after King Wu's young son, King Cheng, took the throne. A splendid ceremony was held to celebrate the completion of the city, which was named Chengzhou. Cheng means completed or achieved in Chinese, so researchers think that Chengzhou meant the building of the city marked the real completion of the Zhou's establishment on a solid basis. Some think Cheng also refers to the royal title of the new King Cheng. The city became the second capital of the Zhou, along with Haojing. Two years later, Ji Dan handed over power to King Cheng in Chengzhou. The Zhou under the rule of Ji Dan had a far-reaching influence on China. Wang Guowei, a prestigious Chinese historian who lived between 1877 and 1927, stressed that the Zhou set up a completely new political system built on a network of feudalism among royal members, giving them the title to land if they pledged their service. It made it possible for the dynasty to rule over much more land than its predecessors. Codes of conduct for people in different strata were formulated to keep social stability. Music was created for important events to promote social harmony. Ethics were now prioritized over divination, which had dominated Shang politics and society. This is why China was known as a civilization defined by protocols and music. The protocols and music, along with the underlying idea of building a stable, harmonious society, became the foundation of Confucianism. For thousands of years after that, a dynasty that wanted to be recognized as a legitimate divine ruler of a united China had to control or show their ambition and competence of controlling the Zhongyuan with Luoyang as the center. During the Qin and Western Han for more than 200 years from the late 3rd century, Xi'an was the capital. 
but the Zhongyuan was still strategically important for security and food supply. In the year 25, about 20 years after the fall of the Western Han, Liu Xiu rebelled the Han, which became known as the Eastern Han because its capital was Luoyang, about 370 kilometers to the east of Xi'an. The strategic and legitimate importance of the Zhongyuan is particularly true for regimes in the south. In the late 2nd century, the Eastern Han Dynasty was shaken by a large rebellion led by Taoist followers. Power struggles between eunuchs and officials and competing local warlords. Three warlords developed the three kingdoms later, the Wei, Shu, and Wu. Zhuge Liang, Prime Minister of the Shu Kingdom, based mainly in what is now Sichuan Province in southwest China, launched five military expeditions to attack the Wei Kingdom based in the Zhongyuan. He failed and died during his last attempt. He knew the Shu was much weaker than the Wei and had little chance of winning the war. So why did he choose to stake the whole Shu and his own life and honor for a mission impossible? Historians believe that an important reason was that he had to prove the Shu was the only legitimate successor of the Han Dynasty and so had the responsibility of restoring the Han. It must control the Zhongyuan to restore the Han to become the new ruler of China. The prosperous Sui and Tang dynasties had a dual capital arrangement, as both rose from Shanxi and took Xi'an as their capital at the beginning. They made Luoyang the second capital. During the Northern Song founded in the late 10th century, Kaifeng to the east of Luoyang was the capital. After the northern Song was driven out of the Zhongyuan to the south of the Yangtze River by the Jin Kingdom founded by the Nujin ethnic group, it always dreamed of reclaiming the Zhongyuan. Lu Yu, a famous poet in the southern Song, expressed his long-held and last wish in a poem to his sons right before he died. He asked his sons to tell him as a family sacrificial rite if one day the Song army marched to the north and recovered the Zhongyuan. Today, Henan is the third largest province in terms of population with nearly 100 million people, following Guangdong and Shandong. In 2020, its GDP ranked fifth among 31 provincial regions and municipalities in China, higher than Shanghai in 10th and Beijing in 13th place. But Henan is much better known as an agriculturally intensive economy for its large population and the lack of glittering metropolises. The economic stars are in the eastern and southern coastal region. The political and cultural center is Beijing. Even tourists interested in historical sites prefer Xi'an to Luoyang. But the idea of diversity and unity remains in the center of the Chinese culture. That is the end of our podcast. Thank you to our writer Zhang Yue, editor and translator Li Jia, and copy editor Kathleen Nade. We hope you enjoyed it, and thank you for listening. See you next week.